Aloha, everyone. I'm your host, Christina Laney Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, healthy lifestyles, and smart business. Today, we'll have a Sustainable Leader Series talk story with Vincent Tai, and he's an architect, a builder, developer, and visionary. We will learn more about his home he has built here in Hawaii which is 2184 Round Top Drive in Makiki Heights and how his ideal home for home has features we all should consider when we move to a more greener Hawaii. So, aloha Vincent. Aloha. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking story with us today. I actually met him because I was showing his home which is on the market. Um, today currently, and I was showing his home to a client of ours who is also an architect builder, um, who was very fascinated by the work that they saw online and um, they wanted to see it in person. And when we had the opportunity to view his home, he did such a great job with a tour for us that I thought it was worthy to share with all of our listeners because the type of home he built are things that I think today uh, with the greening your home, the things that you could do to your home would be beneficial here. So um, I did want to do a quick bio uh, run on him and I'm gonna read this off so you can all learn a little bit more about Vincent before we jump in. So he has worked for an architectural firms in California and Hong Kong after graduating from UC Berkeley. And this was a little bit ago. Um, he has been registered architect since 1971. He formed Thai Associates um, Architects and was the sole principal of his private practice with staff of 25 in San Francisco since 1975. He semi-retired in 2000 and the firm provided architectural services for many private and public clients. Um, he was a recipient of numerous national and local design awards his architectural projects include uh, University of California at Berkeley's student housing. He's also done the San Francisco City College Library, the US Postal Post Office, I'm assuming in San Francisco as well, Federal Express Cargo Building at SF Airport, uh, Joint Venture Architect for Public Parking Structures in SF International Airport, Interiors of um, the Marriott Marquis, which is about a five, 1,500 home, um, rooms in San Francisco, and the Bank of America branches and many more to um, list on. But apart from being an architect since 1976, Mr. Tai also acted in the capacity of a real estate broker and developer with extensive background in acquisition, financial packaging and development. So he, because he knows so much in all of these different areas, he's able to assist his clients with much more. And um, so, yeah, we welcome him. Thank you so much, Vincent, for being here. Okay, thank you. So um, we always start with your background. So I know we gave a little spiel on you, but perhaps you can talk about where, where did you grow up when you were- Okay. Yeah. Um, I grew up and spent my first 17 years in Hong Kong. So as a late teenager, um, I went to California uh, and I went to Cal, Berkeley. Uh, you know, in the 60s, it's the tumultuous days in Berkeley, right? <laughs> Seems like uh, everything started there, you know, all the different movements. Those are exciting years. And, um, so after I graduated in 1967, and I worked in uh, San Francisco Bay Area for a few years and got my license. And then I decided that I really wanted to teach, but not in architecture. At that time, I really wanted to teach industrial design. I see, I really admire architects who turn uh, industrial designers like uh, 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 Charles Ames, okay? Uh, George Nelson, right? Uh, these people who um, starting with a big building and turning into a small item that you have to pay very little, I mean, 
pay a lot of attention to details. Okay, this in a building you can be off by one inch, nobody knows. Right? But when you try to put a, uh, a a lamp together or a chair together, you cannot be uh, one inch will be way off. Right? Actually, I worked for uh, uh, George Nelson when I was in New York. Yeah, actually, I spent uh, well. After I got my license in 1971, I moved to New York and I went to Pratt for uh, the master in industrial design degree. Of course, you know, when you're doing your master's degree, you, you don't go to school full time. So actually I work full time on either on my own or, or a company, big companies um, like uh, George Nelson, okay? I actually work with him on, on, on a couple of interior jobs. And also William Snay, I know you heard of that, heard of him. Uh, those are the industrial design back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, they designed logos like Exxon, uh, maybe IBM, I forgot, and the cars, things like that. But this is back in the 60s, early 70s, okay? So it uh, sounds like a long time ago. So I, I, I worked in New York for about two years. And then I, after I got my, my degree, okay, so I'm clear. Um, so how do I get a teaching job, right? So I just happened to uh, look up in the New York Times um, uh, advertising uh, employment, okay? <laughs> and then I found the, in, in Hong Kong, the, uh, at that time, it's called a Technical College, now University, okay? Uh, they were hiring for lecturer in industrial design. Just happened like that, okay? So I said, wow, you know, that's my hometown. And then that's what I wanted to teach. And I want to, uh, it's a good opportunity, right? So I had got on the interview in, in New York and I, and I was hired and I, I was told, by mistake, which I, their mistake and my mistake as well, that I will be provided with uh, the whole package, you know, like uh, housing and, you know, food, transportation, everything. That's what they do with expats, okay? Very generous. But as a local, you get maybe 10% of what the expat gets. So, so I traveled back to Hong Kong and thinking that I'm going to, uh, pick up a new post. Then to my surprise, I was told, I was told that I would not be qualified as an expert because I was born and raised in Hong Kong. And also at that time, I don't have my citizenship yet. You know, I could have, but I didn't get it then at that point. Okay. So I, I, I of course I'm a green card, right? But they said, well, because you only have a green card, you're still considered residents, therefore we can only pay you local salary. Oh. Which is like one tenth of what I, you know, was very low, okay. You know, teaching job anywhere low, okay. And um, I figured that because even with a salary without benefits, um, you can hardly survive in Hong Kong because the housing is very expensive. So I said, oh, well, too bad, you know. So I started knocking on doors to get a job, uh, going back to my old profession. <laughs> oh. and, and I was lucky. I, I, I ended up working one of the, the, uh, the best and largest firm, okay? And in fact, they've done uh, a number of uh, uh, buildings that, that you would know if I mentioned that. Uh, so in fact, I was quite well regarded there. Now, that, Year and a half, well, almost two years in Hong Kong, really changed my perspective, my view uh, to uh, towards to be an architect or how to make money. I mean, realistically, I mean, realistically, you have to make money, right? We mm -hmm. um, are not just artists, okay? Um, but that two years, uh, I got exposed to how people do work in a completely different environment, so different. Nowadays, I, almost every young man met, I don't care what profession they're in. I mean, like professional, but 
legal, banking, architect, engineer, I always tell them, now, this is, uh, and I started telling these people about 30 years ago, I will continue to do the same, that you go west and you end up in the east, okay? So you go west from California, I'm talking about, okay? and then you are in the east, which is, the, we always call Asia the east, right? Because the, uh, not just the education system, but mainly the uh, uh, working system is very different um, because they have fewer professionals and they have lots of work, okay, in all professions, not just architect architecture. So a young graduate within one or two years experience would put into a job that is equivalent to maybe 10 or 15 years experience here. Now, the same with legal, the same with accounting, I, I, can, I, I know for sure, particularly for engineering and architecture. So that means a recent graduate in architecture, they one year, two year experience, they will be put in charge of one or two or three high rise buildings. When I say high rise, I don't mean six story buildings. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about 20, 30 story buildings, okay? Mm -hmm. And how do architects or, or recent, or not just recent architects, any architects in the state or Canada or in the, in, in the UK get that opportunity? They don't. I know because I worked here for three years and then I worked in New York. Most opportunities are building one story and two story buildings. You're lucky you get a four-story building. And we learn a lot about politics here and how it delays the approval of a project, right? So it could easily take two years, three years, five years just to get a, even a single family home approved because of opposition to all kinds of stuff, okay? Uh, but they're meaningful, don't get me wrong, okay? <laughs> uh, but that is the system here. Now, but in places like Hong Kong, China, Singapore, Taiwan, uh, those places I know better. Okay, I don't know. How fast Japan. does a building get built over there? Well, see, apart from the construction uh, progress is, is much faster because there are more people, okay? Yeah. But more importantly is the approval process. Yeah. So even with a 20 story building, in a difficult site, the client walked into an architect's office, said, please design a building for me. Six months later, they start construction, okay? And I'm not exaggerating, okay? Here, you're lucky you start working five years, right? Now, in fact, in San Francisco, San Francisco is probably one of the more difficult cities. If you think Honolulu is bad, San Francisco is much worse because, uh, People are more uh, educated, I'm putting it that way. The, the, the opponents, I'm probably aware. And they have high priced attorneys, planning attorneys, specialized in them, right? So things get dragged on and on for a long time. In fact, on the sofa market, we go from nowadays, okay? It started about the time that I, I, I uh, came back from San Francisco, from uh, Hong Kong, 19, uh, mid 1970s, okay? It just started. At that time, it was just all uh, uh, warehouses and nothing. Today, it's all the high-tech people there now. Okay, they're making a billion dollars every day. Uh, that project, because uh, software market development, is have taken almost three generations to get started. So any delay in, in an environment like that, we're not talking about weeks. We're not talking about years. We are talking about in terms of generations, okay? So <laughs> that's, that's how crazy. the is, you know? And you'd be surprised even, even in Hawaii, you probably have seen projects that took in 10 years, 15 years, right? I mean, mm -hmm. a young kid would be 15 years old. <laughs> well, I so, know Coral Ridge was, is what, 20, huh. 25 years already? <laughs> yeah. So imagine if you're an architect, you're relying on that job, you know, 20 years later, you know, you have to pass it on to your 
uh, son, <laughs> son and grandson, right? You know? Yeah. Okay, no, my, I'm, so much for that, okay? But my one saying is that two years, it completely changed my-, my uh, Perspective, huh? Okay. Now, not just that, it's how people do business, okay? And, and then I recognized, you know, in Hong Kong, every, all the rich people there, they are 10 or 20, they're all in real estate. Real estate is the only game, even now, okay? They have no, no industry, they have no, uh, perhaps they call financing, okay? But mainly the local there is real estate. So that's where I learned. Then I realized that if I want to be an architect, I better learn about that too, okay? Now, the reason is I came back from San Francisco, I came back from Hong Kong, moved back to San Francisco in 1975, in May, 1975. People of my age would know at that time, it was the tail end of the long recession, okay? Mm. Now, architectural firms get hurt the most when you have a recession. People don't have the money to build. Even they, they tell you something, it takes so long to get a project going, right? So, so I, I, I was looking for work. It was in May, June, uh, 1975. Almost all of the offices I went to, it's just totally empty. I can see like 30 tables before they have computers, okay? They have a lot of big tables, okay? Drafting, right? That's how I learned, draw my hand, okay? And uh, oh, I forgot to, to tell you that during my uh, final years in Berkeley, and also throughout the next few years, I, I'm a, um, I would say, half professional illustrator. I wouldn't call myself fully professional, okay? So I've been uh, kind of semi-surviving based uh, on, on doing uh, architectural illustrations, okay? For home builders, interiors, and a couple of big buildings too, okay? So I've been doing that. So I figured that, well, if all the, uh, if job is nowhere to be found, I might as well start on my own. So I'll, I'll, I can draw, okay? So I, I, I printed out my brochures and sent out all the, the architects and home builders. And then I, I started thinking now, what I learned from Hong Kong is uh, I have to think about, about real estate development. Now, keep in mind now, when I came back, I have no relatives in the Bay Area, in California. All my friends are my age from college, okay? And they all be working for a, a company, right? None of them are rich, okay? Now, in order for architects to get any work, there are basically two requirements among many. One, you've got to know rich people. Only rich people have money to build, okay? Number two, you need to know powerful people, powerful people who are in a position to select and approve architects. In any big company like the Bank of America, Marriott, you name it, when they there's one person there who's not the boss of Marriott, but he's the guy who's going to select architects, right? So that's a very powerful thing, right? And so that's why I meant we need to know rich and the powerful. So now being at that time now, Asian, and even in California, being a very blue city, a very liberal city, that hasn't really changed, okay? And besides, I have no connection. So how do I get work, right? No way, because I don't know any rich people. I don't know any powerful people, right? So the only way, the only way, uh, apart from getting lucky, you know, get a small job to, uh, my first job is, is uh, remodeling a, um, a, a bathroom, basically, a bathroom in the Hyatt Hotel, okay? Uh, well, actually, it's a, it's a, uh, uh, what you call it? A, um, people go there to get their face done. And like a powder room? No. Salon. Yeah, or... yeah like I said, exactly. A salon. Okay. But they have a, a, uh, a steam room, right? They need to be remodeled. 
So for some reason, I got that job, that's my first job. <laughs> so I decided that the only way that I really can, can get myself started to do architecture work is to, to get people to help me or invest in, in, in a development, project development that needs an architect. Not, not every development is an architect, right? So that's how I started. Okay. Yeah. So now, you basically I, took your love for architecture and started adding elements to your business to where you also had, you know, that's why you had the real estate side, you had the development side, and you have the architecture um, all yes. inclusive with your company. Yes. And fact, that made is, a difference, right? So they would buy the whole package. At, right? at that time, it's a survival. It's a survival. Uh, way to survive otherwise you know so now because of my two years uh stay in hong kong i get to know some rich people there so that's why it helped me so i started with nothing but all these rich people believe in me and also at that time it's called timing now if i have moved back from hong kong if i moved to uh oklahoma city or New Orleans, okay? It wouldn't be the same, okay? Yeah. I mean, in terms of opportunity, right? But in, in San Francisco, particularly in California, in the late 1970s and early 1980s, a lot of money are coming from Asia, mm. okay? But in fact, those monies stopped after the mid-1980s because they all lost money here, okay? Mm -hmm. Most of them. Because they're making money in Hong Kong is so easy, they thought that it's the same everywhere else, but it's not. Now, like I said, in Hong Kong, they could start the building in six months. Here, they found out, they put money in, five years later, they still do EIR, and um, environmental impact report, right? So the money left, basically, after uh, mid-1980. Yeah. I was lucky. So, so, so I was lucky, just at that time, yeah. Yeah. So I would love to um, dive into. So you basically had this company and you've been running it for all these years. And when you decided to semi retire in 2000, you basically um, what brought you to Hawaii to do that? Oh, oh, OK, it is a long and short story. I'll make it short. OK, now, by the year 2000, I See, I worked very hard in the 80s, particularly in the early 1990s. I have to, okay, being all by myself. Um, and I, I, one year, I'm not kidding, I was sitting seven different boards, okay, including the AIA. I was, I was on the AIA. So, I mean, it, you get burned out in a sense, okay? Yeah. So, so I decided that, well, you know, uh, by late 1990, yeah, 1998, 1999, I decided I have enough. In those days, airfare is much cheaper too. Mm -hmm. So you can buy a round the world ticket using Star Alliance, okay? And I bought my tickets in, in Bangkok because it's cheaper. My cousin <laughs> who runs a, a, a travel agency there, you can go around the world for in business class, for under five thousand dollars, wow! In, in, in first class, under six thousand dollars in those days, right? Now, keep in mind, I was thinking, well, if I let go of one staff or two staff, one month is five thousand dollars, <laughs> and I use the money to travel around the world. I mean, it, it, it's it's a no-brainer, right? Now, in fact, in those days, it was. My staff is reduced to maybe under 10 at that time, you know, near end of 90. So I decided that I just don't do that anymore. So starting in the year 2000, I don't have any outside client. I stopped working. For Even in development, I stopped uh, having partners. I just do my own. You know, small stuff, okay? Now, so... So by the year 2000, I, I want to change in my life, okay? And then just at that time, my, um, my sister, who's five years younger than me, 
he uh, she uh, contracted this uh, illness called scleroderma. Scleroderma, the, uh, the skin and also the uh, immune system. Uh, she need, needed to live in warm weather. So she is an artist. I was saying, you know, artists. Most artists do not know where money comes from. So this sister of mine is one of the most talented artists I ever met. I see quite a few. Okay. In fact, just we're talking about Wayne Siebold is my favorite, and he passed away two days ago, year 101, okay, Bay Area. Uh, you know him, Wayne Siebold? No, I don't. Okay. Are you looking it up, okay? Uh, anyway. I will. So, okay. Um, so I decided to move her to Hawaii. After we, we I invited all my, my family uh, siblings to, to a family reunion here uh, about 15 years, 20 years ago. And then we decided this is a good place for her. So that was the major reason I moved out here. But there are other minor reasons, okay? And, and by my sister, uh, in fact, in my house, uh, half of the uh, paintings, the artwork was by her. Okay. Right, I remember uh, that. Yeah. So his house has um, a lot of white space yes. where it's almost like a blank canvas for artwork as well. So when you do tour his home, you will see a lot of pieces. And um, I think a lot of them are uh, attributed to his, his sister. So, um, now that we have found ourselves in Hawaii and everything, I know finding this property, I don't remember how you stumbled on it, but that's a unique um, unique thing as well. Because it's, yes, it's actually yes, a nice yes. property where you were able to subdivide into two parcels pretty much, right? Correct, correct. See, I was looking for a uh, house or property for my sister. And I found one in Sierra Drive. And while I was looking, the broker was showing me around, okay? And then he showed me this property right here, which is basically nothing, okay? Up in the hill, quite steep. Uh, and, and there was one, like a vacation home, old uh, two-story building. Uh, so I know nothing about Honolulu, absolutely nothing. But once I walk into that site, I can see some potential for me, okay? It's steep, okay? Uh, but like I said, my, one of my uh, interviews uh, on the magazine, I said, since I came from San Francisco, they look pretty flat to me, okay? Uh, so, so yeah, the property, the way it sits is kind of like cascading down. Um, you can see everything out and you can see the view of the city line and the ocean and the treetops, and it's in Makiki Heights, uh, but from the road, you can't actually see the property itself in the house, but you can yes. see down yourself. This is what, this is another- uh, uh, Privacy uh, part of the house, yes, this, which is nice. Yeah, and another benefit that I see, you know, in this house is very uh, secluded in a way. Secluded, for sure. Yeah, and then you, and, and, uh, uh, very private, okay? And also, I really like the, the backdrops because right adjacent to the Honolulu watershed, you know, it's all green, okay? I just call it rainforest. So the property is right against it, okay? And I, I just love the, 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 uh, the greenery. You know, mm -hmm. I, in a way, I have lived in buildings that you see high rises, you see everywhere, right? Well, I mean, you, your three places are Hong Kong, San Francisco, and New York. So yeah, right. the yeah. concrete jungle everywhere you go. And also, also <laughs> in, in China, right? In fact, I, I, I own two properties in China, one in Beijing, one in uh, 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 Shanghai, both in the middle of the city, right? <laughs> and they are just building, you know? So, this is really intrigued me to see something like that. And um, I, so I, I decided to, to, to uh, buy it and try it out. 
So I built my first house in a pretty steep slope with nothing, all just vegetation there. So I clear everything out and, and, and that's my first house. And then uh, right next to it, uh, there was a two-story building, old, uh, I think it was like a vacation home or guest house. So I renovated that uh, when I'm living there. So when I built the first house. So we lived in the first house since, uh, I think it finished in 2006. And then six or seven years later, there was a fire that damaged the, 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 the rental house at that time, okay? The house, we moved from the new house, right? So the existing house that I renovated, uh, it, it was substantial damage. So I told my wife, well, maybe this give me a chance to build another house, a bigger house, and most importantly, I want an indoor pool. Yes, so his other house that he started with when he built this property is actually also on the market as well, but it's a smaller home and his first one with a pool outside. Exactly. And he was well, very- um, small, Exactly, smaller home is relative. It's still a yeah. 4,000 square foot home, okay? <laughs> so, so his pool, um, he loves to swim a lot. So it's more of like a lap pool type of pool. And the one that was outside is a lot of tr trees and leaves would fall into the yeah, pool. It's, so that's why he wanted the pool to be indoors uh, the second time. It's a, it's a 20 meter pool. It's only 11 foot wide in the, in the first house, okay? And, and there are no big trees right above it, but somehow leaves comes everywhere. Okay? Yeah. Uh, every morning, I mean, it just, you know, it's a lot of work. So I told my wife, my next uh, pool would not be outside pool, okay? And also the, I'm not still quite used to the, the hot weather. Uh, like the sun and the humidity really gets to me. So in an outdoor pool, you can only swim on a certain climate. Okay? In an indoor pool, you know, anytime you can jump in there. So, so I said, my next house will also have a 20 meter pool, but it needs to be indoor. Okay? Now, the fact that it's still a very steep site, okay? So after we demolished the, uh, the building, uh, we're just about to crumble anyway. Um, so in order to put a 20 meter pool, uh, even nine feet wide, okay? Uh, it takes up a lot of space, right? Particularly on a very steep slope. So it's actually quite challenging to really develop a scheme to accommodate the main theme for me, not for everybody else, is the 20 meter pool. So the, because of the, the, the slope and because my requirement of the pool, it generated the, the, uh, the fall plans, okay? So the, all the functions are basically using the pool as the focus. Now. Yeah, so the pool is the focal point of the home. And um, the, the interesting thing about the pool, when you go into a house normally that has an indoor pool, you just have this feeling of like, you could, it's like a it, kind of like chlorinated, weird feeling of, you know, enclosed of a pool area. This house, I can let you know now because I was in it, you didn't feel like that at all. It was almost like a water feature, I would say, integrated into the home. And, um, it's a very unique, um, we'll definitely have some pictures so you can see, but it's a very unique um, style. And the tiling, um, what was the point, um, the, the influence that you had for the tiling of the, yeah, of the pool? Uh, uh, Pierre Montreal. Now, I'm not into uh, starfish or dolphins. <laughs> and I decided that the pool I need lines because I, I when I swim and I, my strokes are not even. So if I swim in the open water, I'll be circling all the time, okay? So I need lines, okay? So I, instead of one line, I decided maybe I have more lines, then I think of Montreal. Now, 
I've never seen a Mondrian pool. I've never seen one yet, okay? Now, so I decided that maybe that's the way I want to do it. And also when you look at from the top floor, and I mean, only two stories, okay? From the second floor, you look down, it becomes a horizontal canvas. It's like a painting, okay? Yeah. Where can you have a horizontal canvas? Right? Uh, carpets, you can, you know, people do that, all right? But here you can actually see it from way above, right? So I thought, well, maybe I'll do that. Now, but it's not easy because, you know, I have to plan it using my CAT system every morning before the tile people come. I told them you cannot place one tile wrong because Mondrian is not like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that pool was definitely the focal point of the home, um, but I did want to dive into some of the other features that this house has um, that that stand out a little bit more uh, for the uniqueness of your home, but also for the green features. So um, one, what was another neat thing, and one thing that you you don't really think about, but the pool itself, when you first walk in, it's right there and it goes all the way across the whole front way. And then you've got this staircase that goes up. And the staircase is this glass floating staircase that you walk on to get up to the second floor. So this home is, is definitely designed to um, Mr. Tai's, you know, personal preference. So, you know, how you look in the lay of the house, you definitely have to see it through his eyes. So what was your thoughts on the glass um, stairway and, and how it leads up and how everything, I guess like the, the living space and, and the um, kitchen and everything's upstairs. Yeah. Yes, in fact, interior space, it needs to be appreciated. It needs to be uh, experienced. In fact, most single family homes have to do that, right? Because you have the living room, you have the bedroom, you know, with the walls and everything, right? So this house gave me that little bit of opportunity to uh, present it as an experience. So like you said, when you walk in there, you know, wow, you see, you know, Montreal right there, right? And when you walk up the steps, you can see everything, right? Now, once you are upstairs, which is called, I'll call it the main public area. All the bedrooms are on the, on the first level. There's only two levels. Okay. On the second level, when you go up there, when you walk all the way up there, and uh, you see everything. You know, there's no walls. Right? And, it's very uh, open and very spacious, and it's very bright. So there's a lot of natural lighting that comes in from their skylights that they have and um, throughout the house. And they also have a sky roof kind of set up, right? You said that was more of a commercial grade um, seat, yeah, almost like well, the lighting see-through. Exactly. Uh, something that I did in this house that I didn't do in my first house because I guess I, it was my first time ever designing a house in Honolulu. But now I realize that if I want light, you need skylights, but you need good skylights, okay? I mean, insulated skylights. Uh, and also I want so much skylight, there's one section of the house, I have to call it the sky roof, okay? And also insulated, right? So that really throws plenty of light that you can see, right? During the day, uh, you don't need to turn on the lights. Like if you're uh, watching the Zoom uh, recording that we have right now, he's sitting in, um, on the second level, and that's a spiral staircase behind him that's going up. Um, the their lights are not on, right? So that's no, no all, lights on. There's no yeah. light on. And when we were there, it's like you don't, he has lights obviously for nighttime, but you wouldn't need them on during the day. It was a, it's a very um, bright house. And you feel that, especially on the top level, which is the common space and the place where everybody comes and gathers and socializes, whether it's a kitchen or the grand, you know, area where they have a actual fireplace, a real fireplace. Um, and, you know, this home itself is over 6,000 square feet interior. And it does have a three-car garage. The land itself, I believe, is over 15,000. And 
it does have an elevator. So I know it's a kind of a, a kind of a steep slope and some people may not be able to do stairs, but they've also incorporated an elevator into the home to make it more accessible for those who can't necessarily do stairs on a regular basis. Um, and then it also has a rooftop viewing area, which is where that spiral staircase reaches. Um, and you can see a beautiful skyline from up there. And I'm assuming amazing sunsets up there too. Um, let's see. I think those are the main specs of the home. Um, and besides the natural lighting, this home actually doesn't have AC and he hasn't really needed it. But um, the natural air itself with the cross ventilation, um, taking into account you know, the, the lay of the land along with the natural elements makes it really key to not needing the AC. But you did mention per a purchase about um, installing AC, is that right? No, I got a, a uh, an estimate proposal from uh, Air Perfection in order to AC the whole house split systems and for like $27,000, which is not a lot of money for a house like that. So I just offer that if people need air conditioning or partial air conditioning, uh, I, I'm willing to do that. Uh, uh, it's just that we don't we don't need it. Okay. Yeah, so and, uh, and the home, the yeah, the home doesn't, I, I mean, the way if you build homes with the right design, mm -hmm. um, I know that I've worked with homes and sold homes like Aussie Pop type of um, builds where it is taking mm -hmm. the natural elements into the house and, and making sure that, you know, you do set up the home where air can mm -hmm. flow, then you'll have less. And if you have natural light, then you don't need need as much lighting during the day. And all of this helps reduce your energy costs that um, you wouldn't necessarily have to carry during the day, right? And um, to top it off, he does actually have three different solar systems in his home. Maybe you can explain um, the three different ones that you have, um, which are, are um, that, you, that you have set up in your home for different things. Yes, yes. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the drone uh, aerial uh, photo, did you see, seems like the whole roof was covered with something. Yes. Uh, in addition to, to a, a, um, a roof, roof deck up there. Okay. Now, basically, uh, there are three different types of uh, solar system. First is required by law, which is the hot water uh, system is required uh, for any new building. And then I, I installed the, the photovoltaic, about 38 panels. And then the third one, which covered a lot of area on the roof is the black uh, solar blankets for the pool. Now this is, this is a upscale, Kind of uh, uh, cheaper ones, okay. Uh, this one you can actually walk on it, okay. I think it's called Helioco, and I um, it's a good system, okay. Now, when doing most days, except for days that's been raining for 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 days and weeks, um, the water temperature is pretty close to the ambient. That means there's no condensation. Now, for indoor pool, it works in my house, but it doesn't work in most homes, particularly homes that are not in the hot weather, okay? Uh, where you have air conditioning or where you have heating, right? Because once you have that, the water temperature is not the same as the ambient temperature and you get condensation everywhere. Okay, but here it's been 10 years and uh, we haven't seen even one drop of water, totally dry, right? Now, like I said, it, we're lucky, you know, because we don't have AC and we have air movement and we have the solar panel, so the water temperature is comfortable, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. so, because I know we have in the condo that I'm at, the pool is not heated. 
So in the summertime, it is perfect and actually sometimes too warm. But mm -hmm. in the wintertime, like yeah. right now, I mean, I, I, I would imagine other people from other places find it not cold at all. But for us, we're like, oh, it's freezing. <laughs> okay, and but, another, yeah. another problem with indoor pool is the smell. People mm -hmm. use chlorine or uh, salt like water. Musty. Yeah, or if it'll be musty if it don't, you know, yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, actually, actually, I've been to one house with an indoor pool, small pool even. You can smell the chlorine in the yeah. air. Okay. Now, so I installed the ultraviolet light uh, sanitary system, cleaning system. So there's oh, okay. no chemical. Now, even if you use salt, salt produce uh, chloride, okay? Sodium chloride, right? So you still have chlorine, okay? But here is 100% tap water, okay? Further sanitized. And I used to tell my friends, you can swim. I mean, you can drink from it because it's, it's tap water, right? Mm -hmm. Now, so that's another aspect that really helped the house. Um, no condensation and no chemical smell throughout the house. Yeah, and now, a lot of the homes that we are doing and focusing on now is more wellness and a healthier home. So that's an actual, actually, I don't know about the system that you have in place, but I'd definitely like to get more information on it because it is an alternative to um, the types of, you know, chemicals that people do put in pools. And this would um, alleviate that if you're needing to have a more clean, you know, less filtered type of pool in that sense, right? Where it's got a lot of chemical um, chemicals in it. So actually, that's I'm good surprised that very few uh, home uh, pools do not use ultraviolet. The, the community public pools they use, okay? uh, but it's, the cost is the same, the same as in, including the using the, the chloride system. You know, so cost is not a factor here. But the water is so good, and I'm not kidding you. I never swam in a pool as good as this one. I mean, he's swimming in tap water basically. <laughs> Yeah, and it's yeah. not cold like it is if you go, um, I guess, into the mountains and go swim in one of those yeah, like <laughs> on a, a hike, house. right? Because <laughs> those this are rel relatively a big house, over six thousand square feet, and uh, at night we have to turn lights on, right? And we have a pool pump that runs for eight hours a day, and we uh, charge the EV. We have EV exclusively use it, even with that. A monthly electrical bill is about two hundred dollars. Yeah, so they do have an EV charging station yeah. um, as well, and that does um, tick up your electricity um, as well. So I mean, to know that M two hundred for a home this size is actually very reasonable, um, and they only have I think around thirty six, possibly thirty eight panels mm -hmm. of PV. Uh, my house, well, with my parents living their house, they have 64 panels. Their carbon footprint is much, um, is worse, I would say, because they, they use AC and they um, don't have as much of a ventilated home and they are not in a nice uh, tropical setting. They're more, in, they're in Pearl City. So it's a lot hotter, therefore they have to crank yeah. their AC. But um, they have probably almost double the panels um, in order to offset their electricity bill. So, you know, finding certain locations of where you live and having that environment and that temperament also affects, you know, how much electricity you use as well. This place that they are living to is a place that has that natural tropical element where you can grow food and have a food forest and, and, you know, you can, you know, not have to worry about the sun beating down and killing your, your food, you know, garden that you, that you grow on. So maybe you can jump into the types of um, food systems that you have at your home or maybe started with, and then what you're doing now, because they have a lot of uh, a trees as well, food trees. Yes. Now, even though the site is slow, but I was able to create uh, uh, enough flat areas, uh, or even in slope areas, you can still mm -hmm. find it. That's right. right. Also because we are adjacent or contiguous to the, uh, the state-owned land, 
and where nobody can can come up here, there's no trail. So I expanded my uh, tree growing uh, effort uh, into the state land that nobody knows. Okay, and also it's only fruit trees. All right, now. Uh, I've never grown any fruit trees before I came to uh, Honolulu. In fact, I haven't grown anything. Well, you were living in a lot of places with a lot of concrete. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. And, but, well, I think you have well, a green thumb now. Well, I, I'm not sure well. it's green thumb. <laughs> I think it's the soil. I was told that the soil is black. This is the volcanic soil and very good drainage and very good for uh, fruits. And I don't even, I haven't used any, uh, uh, what you call Fertilizer? Uh, fertilizer, I haven't used any, right? Now, I planted many, okay? Some with great success, some I'm still waiting, all right? <laughs> for example, I have planted uh, at least six avocado trees. And uh, four of them, uh, I bear fruit just about every year. The two of them are kind of stubborn, you know, they wait three, four years, okay. So I get to eat one, two avocado a day. These are big ones. They're about two or three times the size of those that you get in Whole Foods, okay. Now, so on top of that, I have uh, uh, two uh, my lemon trees. They are everywhere. In fact, I started picking almost all of them are gone now, almost, but you can see the flowers coming out already. So they are awesome. very- uh, Yeah, uh, he has, he has, he had a pineapple that was actually a really big <laughs> pineapple um, that, that he had picked when we were there. Um, kumquats, limes, tangelo, mango, star fruit. He pretty much has like an herb garden set up but what I think giving banana, I didn't see them growing, but I thought I saw banana yeah. trees. Papayas, I think tomatoes. I mean, you kind of he kind of had a little bit of everything. No, and it no was tomatoes. All kind of growing I, on their own, no? <laughs> I have no success growing tomatoes here. Oh, no, really? So, Is it yeah. too do you need I don't know. They said maybe it's too humid here. I never had any uh, luck. Uh, but the uh, citric trees, citric and uh, mango, particularly. Uh, avocado. I have no problem. Yeah. yeah. And, and he uh, travels a lot, um, goes back and forth from San Francisco and other places. So there's times where you maybe aren't home as often. So he did mention, and we, we, we didn't get to see it because I guess long time ago, he had set up an aquaponics setup but um, because he was traveling so much, um, it did require a little bit more attention to the fish. So <laughs> I think he had to stop that, that project, but it was doing well when he was there. And, um, you know, it was a neat system to see. He did have um, a picture of it. Um, so that kind of encompasses the food aspects of what he's been doing. And the neat thing about this home that he's built is, he was, he's not a person who is, I would say a green, trying to build a green home. He was just building and creating this home for him and his wife. And it wasn't um, until I got there and I was just like, these are all features that a lot of people are looking at right now. And these are all things that our people are trying to emulate or would like to see in their homes. It's becoming a trend, you know, that people are looking for. Um, another thing too about Tantlis and Makiki Heights is that even though it's so close to town, it's up in the, the kind of like this forest area, they uh, actually don't have the, like the sewer and like public sewers, right? So there's a lot of cesspools up there and, and now people are turning them into septic tanks uh, or septic systems. And so that's what he had done originally when he was building um, his home. So he does have a septic system that services both homes. Um, do you know about how much you probably spend on servicing your septic system? Well, okay, you mean uh, constructing a new one or servicing? Oh, no, no, not constructing it. Because I mean, servicing? yeah, just like oh, just okay, servicing. To, to be fair, to be fair. Even you serve two homes uh, all the time, 
there's no more than two persons live in each of the houses, okay? Mm -hmm. Even when they're renting the small building, uh, small uh, building out, uh, there's only a couple. And, and also these people travel a lot too. So, so it's not like- in It's not a typical two, five bedroom kind of homes where you've yeah. got full families, right. understand. Right. right, so the, the one time that we clean it, suck it, is the uh, first 10 years, okay? And uh, it only costs $350. <laughs> <laughs> so so keep in mind that if you have this system and you have larger um, families using like kind of yeah. like the septic, then you would definitely have to have more maintenance. But this sewer bill that you normally get, which most people do get every month or every other one month, month wouldn't have. Yeah, one <laughs> you wouldn't have it. Um, in addition, um, they are they do have public water though, so you do have access to public water. Um, if you wanted to go off grid, I think this home would be very doable you could actually go off grid and do water catchment because this area does get a lot of rainfall so it is probably possible to set up a water catchment system and even have filtration with your water um, water resources and being in town this close you could technically i mean they do have gas as well um we don't have and, gas oh you don't have gas no or you just use electricity no just like only, yeah, only electricity and water that we get from the public. But you uh, do you have propane? You have propane. Yeah, we use propane, but not. Yeah, natural. so they have pro I mean, I don't mean they, they don't have natural gas. They have yeah, propane. Exactly. Um, yeah. So they have. So technically speaking, if you were to do water catchment, this home could actually be an off-grid mm -hmm. system because they have the solar, they have um, the septic, they have you would have water catchment, and then you could actually. Um, you know, live off of the food you grow. <laughs> um, I don't know, maybe have some chickens. <laughs> so it's just, it's a very interesting property. And I know that we're running short on time. So I did want to um, kind of wrap things up because we're going a little bit further than, um, than most times. But I did want to say like, thank you so much for showcasing your house here in addition to um, being able to check it out online. He does have a website for this specific property. So you can actually check out some photos and that address is www.2184roundtopdrive.com. And it actually talks all about the home there with some photos. And it's also been in some publications as well where you can kind of check out those articles. Um, and then if you have any questions, do you have an email that you would like to share if anybody wanted to reach out to you personally? Uh, yes, it's uh, really simple. Uh, my last name is Thai, T-A-I, architecture, one word, Thai architecture, at gmail. Gmail.com. Uh, so um, how much is the home for sale today? It's uh, 3.5. It's listed at 3.5. It's in the MLS system here yeah. on Oahu. And if you have any questions, um, you can feel free to call me. I will um, relay anything to him as well. Um, but other than that, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, I want to say the reason we're selling is because we're moving back to San Francisco Bay Area. Yes, Good. he is. Good. And so him and his yeah. wife are currently living in the property um, and they do go back and forth. So um, viewing it would be easy when he's here and he's currently in town. So um, hopefully uh, we'll help you get this property sold and you could be on your way back home with all your friends and, San and family in San Francisco. Yeah, very nice. Okay. Thank well, you. thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Vincent. And um, also, thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, which is at www.smartlivinghi.org. You can also follow us on Instagram, which is at smart underscore living underscore Hawaii. And you can like us on Facebook. Other than that, until next time, live smart. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.